0: I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. My guest today is Sabrina Somarivas. She is a runner. She's run everything from 5Ks to ultra marathons with some Ironmans in there. She is a Gatorade Endurance ambassador and a special ed teacher with APS. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So my first question is, how did you get into running?
1: Oh, that's my favorite question. Um, (laughs) So I like to always say in the words of Forrest Gump, I just felt like running. Um, It's crazy, really, because, you know, I have no athletic background. I was not an athletic kid. I didn't really I wasn't in shape. I was that overweight kid that got made fun of. I always had issues with food. And then if I would lose weight, I would gain it back. But yeah, it really started back in, I would say 2015 almost. We had moved up to Albuquerque and there was a an event here, the Doggy Dash and Dottle. I don't know if you've ever been to that.
0: Yeah, I've, um, I've heard of it. I haven't done it.
1: Yeah, so they have just like, I guess they have a 5K and they also have the Dottle as well where you just walk and it's a shorter distance from the 5K. And so we had taken our dogs and we had done the Dottle. And, you know, I saw all these people doing the 5K and just something that day when we left, I said, you know what? I, I want to try that. And so I really didn't start training for it. But the next year it had kind of crept up on me. And I'm like, uh oh, I have this 5K coming up and I'm not prepared. So we went to one of the tracks um, at one of the high schools here in Albuquerque. And I told my husband, can you just time me? I'm going to run just one lap. And I swear to you, that was the most miserable lap I have ever ran in my life. <laughs> and I was ready, like, seriously, only four laps. I was on the fourth lap and I was gagging. I was like ready to puke. And I was thinking like, what am I doing? Signing up for this 5k, I must be insane. And, you know, that was only probably like a week before the race. The, the day, the morning of the race came, you know, um, I ran it. And surprisingly, I didn't have to stop and walk. I ran it. And my time was decent. It was middle of the pack, probably around like 24, 25 minutes. And I ended up placing in my age group. And I was so shocked. And like, just from the moment I held that medal in my hand, I was like, wow, like, it's some, it's an accomplishment that I never thought I could do just that simple three miles. And I felt, I don't know, I just wanted to see what I could do next. And so from there, it was, it was seriously the next day, I told my husband, okay, I want to go for a half marathon. I said, forget the 10K. I just want to go for the half marathon. And then it just kept, you know, it just kept going from there. Every distance I did, I said, okay, well, what's next? What can I do? What can I, can I go further? So that's how it really started. It was just, I want to run.
0: (laughs) Wow, that is, that is amazing. So in those four or five-ish years, you've done quite a lot of running and quite a lot of racing was it the the racing kind of helped keep you motivated to continue it or you just wanted it was the easiest way to test your boundaries
1: I would say definitely it was the races um I'm a very competitive person I always have been ever since I was a kid whether it be a board game or just anything. I mean, I've always been competitive and just, just that feel you get when you're out in that environment on race day of, you know, not only the race itself and competing with others, but the people you meet and the camaraderie and everything, it's just amazing. And, but definitely that feeling of, you know, I got to catch that person or that, you know, that sprint to the end, to the finish. That's what I, that's what keeps me going. And, I think really through all this COVID, since there hasn't been races, um, it's definitely changed my mindset a little bit. It helped me because for a while I kind of got like in this running rut where I was having trouble really getting out there. My mileage was really low for a good year, year and a half. And I was just tired of running. And it was like almost a chore, a chore to get out there to run. And being uh, with no races now with COVID, I think it's really helped me actually up my mileage and just get out there just to run. And it's kind of helped me fall back in love with just running itself and get rid of the competitive aspect of it.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of us can can fall into. It's, it's so easy to fall in love with being able to chase down someone or just be in a race with so many people around you. And it can be much harder when you're out there on your own and training for, you know, a half marathon, a marathon, an ultra marathon where you're spending, you know, multiple hours out sometimes by yourself. Maybe you've got a training group, but it's it's a completely different experience.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So, you know, we I mentioned that you were a, a teacher for APS. You know, how much did, you know, all of this happening and finding that kind of love of running for a bit lack of a better word again how much of it was kind of helping you kind of de-stress from everything going on you know in the classroom with your kiddos and not being able to see them
1: oh it's been so stressful with you know all this and i really do think that having my you know, the mojo back with the running has really helped a lot because even the other day when I had a really tough day, you know, I didn't get up in time to do my morning run before I started teaching. So unfortunately the run was really hot in the the evening, but it's something that I just had to do just because even though it was going to be physically exhausting, I knew mentally I would feel better after I got my run finished. And it wasn't too far. It was maybe like a five or six mile run, but just that just helped me decompress so much from that day of online teaching
0: right and and how well are you coping with um because i know for myself teaching third grade you know we're generally on our on our feet all day and now i just feel myself just slinking into my futon or couch or wherever i happen to be sitting that day how has that been that adjustment been for you
1: Oh, yeah. It's been a huge adjustment. Like I was I think I was talking about that with someone the other day. They were saying, like, how many steps we usually get in as teachers. And I noticed like a huge like step difference in my Garmin. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, my steps have really cut down this school year. And, you know, I I just try to I do try to be active on the screen. Like I try to stand up and teach or I try to I do brain breaks with my students. I make sure like they get up and do stuff with me. But I even did that like in the classroom also.
0: Are you, I know some special ed teachers had um, have been seeing students in the classroom. Uh, are you one of those or have you is it all been online?
1: Yeah, mines still online. Um, for those special ed students, it's more of the higher need. and my population is mostly just learning disabilities, so they don't have high enough needs to where they are back in the classroom right now.
0: That makes sense. but
1: it's still, it's still, you know, extremely difficult. I mean, because these students are, I teach strictly fourth grade this year and, you know, they're, you know, reading at, you know, first grade level or something. So it's hard to, it's already hard enough to engage them in the classroom, you know, and they're already so far behind. And it's just, I mean, that's a whole nother stressful part of it is just knowing how much they're, they truly need and they're not getting it through the online learning. And I think that's another draining part of it as well because you as a teacher, you know, it's hard not to put that on yourself. Like, am I giving them enough?
0: I think a lot of teachers have been going through that recently and and trying to figure out the best way to to help their students and and managing the the mental toll it's taking on them as well as trying to get across, you know, what's what's important for them to be ready for for next year. And, and I, I feel like that's a, a tough line to to balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, trying to balance that line, you know, you're doing those brain breaks, you're getting your kids active, do you try to encourage them to do other things like when be active on their own when they're not in with you or, or with their PE classes?
1: Oh, definitely. And I always share my experiences with them, you know, with my running. And um, I remember my class last year when we were still in person before all this happened with COVID, um, the students, they were so funny because, you know, after I would have a race on the weekend, I would usually wear my race shirt to the classroom and they would, you know, always know because they they asked and then I would start telling them about my running and they'd be like, what'd you do this weekend, Miss S? <laughs> what did you run this weekend? And I just loved sharing those stories with them because I could show them that, you know, there was times I had really low times during some races and I didn't quit. And just like, you know, with their schooling, I tell them times are going to get tough, especially with them being, you know, behind. And a lot of them know they're in special ed. You know, their last year was all was mostly fifth grade. And, you know, I would have real talks with them and they would all know that they were in special ed. That's why they were in a smaller class setting. And, you know, I told them just because you're struggling with something doesn't mean you're going to progress. It doesn't mean you're, you need to give up. You just have to push a little harder until you reach that finish line.
0: I think that's a great message. And, you know, I think you have, you know, a great story to kind of help Pass that along um, on your 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 website, your blog. You, you talk about not just falling in love with running, but really using it to help you kind of get in better f- physical shape. And so, do you feel like that kind of helps you kind of knowing, you know, some of the struggles you went with in a different way to help out those special ed students as well?
1: Oh, definitely! Running has, I mean, it's changed so much more than just the physical aspect of where I've come because, you know, I've always struggled with my weight, like I said, and I think the heaviest I ever got was around 180, the mid one eighties, I think. And that was, um, a few years after being married and I just, I never saw it. And I, I guess even when I stepped on the scale, I never really cared. And then, but but even though I didn't care, I was always trying different methods to get to lose weight really fast, like the lazy ways. Yeah. Um, I would always try, you know, just starving myself or I would try diet pills. You know, even when I was younger, I, I tried anorexic, bulimic, like it was it was so unhealthy just the, the different methods I was trying just to feel satisfied with myself And it was just such an unhealthy relationship with the scale that now I feel like I'm to a point where, you know, I don't let myself step on the scale anymore because it's just such a a negative thing to me. As long as I feel good and I'm performing like I want to perform, I feel like I'm where I need to be. But even when I met my husband, like I wasn't I was like maybe mid 140s. And I remember one time because we met at a gym. I was working in the child zone at the gym he worked out at. And we started going out like there would be he we did burpees one day. He wanted to show me how to do some burpees. And I tried one and I felt a pain in my knee and I was like, oh, no, I can't do them. Like, I can't do this. And so I just said I couldn't do it. And now burpees are like my favorite thing ever. (laughs) So it's like, you know, I I try to get I try to remind myself of the excuses I used to give. And I try to make sure just to get out of that negative mindset, because I feel with me like it's it's not so much of the physical challenge anymore. With me, it's a huge mental block because I still have that mentality sometimes of am I really an athlete? Can I do this? Do I deserve to do this distance? You know, um, even during my first Ironman, it wasn't so much of the physical. It was the mental that got me. Like during my swim, I got into the open water and I panicked. And I remember I just kept my head above and I just swam as fast as I could to the uh, closest buoy and I just held on tight. And I said, what am I doing out here? I don't belong here. And I really had to like, take a second. I looked at everyone swimming and I said, you know what? No, you've worked for this. You have to push through, quit being a big baby and do it. And I swam. It took me so long to swim. I am not a swimmer. And by the time I finished panicking and got on with it, it took me about, to over two hours in the water. Wow. And then I got out and when I got into transition one, a lot of the bikes were gone. And that mental mentality of just seeing a whole bunch of bikes gone and that knowing that I'm one of the last swimmers out, it just right then from the, the very beginning of the start, it was like, you know, I suck. I can't do this. And that set the, the, the feel for the rest of the race. And so when I crossed that finish line, I said, you know, the next time I do an Ironman, it's not going to be so much the physical, it's the mental that I need to face.
0: You know, it's, it's that mental part is so tough for, for any runner. Um, but I think a lot of people who come into it, you know, a little bit later and and don't feel that they are a runner or an athlete and they're just, well, I'm, I'm going to just do what I can, which I think is great. But I also think that it's, you know, if, if you're out there and, and you're moving, you know, if, if you consider yourself a runner, you're a runner. Mm-hmm. And if you're out there and you're putting in time, you know, I think you're a runner. And I think that can be uh, a hard thing t- for a lot of people to overcome. And it sounds like you are, are still working on that yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, what, four years, four years later with tons of races under my belt and I'm still feeling that way. So I think, I think once I reach that point of, of knowing that, you know, I deserved this moment, I think it's going to change, change a lot. And that's why, you know, I have this big race coming up and my, my goal, I'm not so much scared of the distance. I'm really afraid of just you know, having that positive mindset and staying positive through the whole thing.
0: I think that's uh, a a great place to start. And I want to go back for a second. You know, you talked about meeting your husband at a gym and uh, burpees, which they are not my favorite personally. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when you started kind of getting into the running, was that something he, he joined you with? Or is he not really into that?
1: He's never really been into running. Um, he likes weights. He does CrossFit now. Um, okay. he, before COVID he did a lot of jujitsu. Oh, wow. And he's, pick, he's trying to pick up running a little bit now because we do Spartans together. So it's funny because in the Spartans, like he's so good at the obstacles, like all the upper body strength and everything, he kills it. But the running, you know, is what gets him and mine's the opposite. The running's fine, but the all the upper body stuff, like just one of the Spartans we did, I ended up that weekend cause we did two in a weekend and I ended up doing over 300 burpees all together. Wow. And it was just like, okay, now here's my next goal. I need to work on some upper body strength.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, it's pretty amazing that you guys can share, you know, at least the fitness, if not necessarily, you know, the running, but then again, doing, doing those Spartans, those are pretty, uh, unique in themselves
1: <laughs> yeah and and my husband's awesome because even though he's not a runner like he you know he'll go to some events with me and he'll do the 5k or something but even if he's not running you know out of all the races i've done he's missed maybe like maybe not even five Oh wow! so he's always at the finish line and he's he's my biggest supporter and even on the iron man like the iron man took me way longer to finish than i thought it took me 16 hours. And I told him that morning, I said, it's going to be a long day. I said, go back to the hotel, you know, get some rest, you know, you'll see me at the finish line, because, you know, we have trackers, so he can tell where I'm at. Um, No, he stayed out there all day, the whole 16 hours. Wow. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's, that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's great that he is supporting you that way. And was he part of any of your crewing for any of your ultra runs or is he going to help you out with your, um, hundred coming up?
1: Um, so the smaller, like the 50 Ks I've done, he's been at most of those races, but it was more of a, like, I just saw him at the finish line and then the 53 miler I did, it was an out and back. So I really, I didn't see him again until I finished, okay. but of course he was, you know, there to, you know, help me at the end and he drove me home and everything. And for the hundred, he's gonna be my crew, but he's not gonna pace me. I unfortunately don't have a pacer for this hundred, oh. so uh, that's gonna be interesting to see how I how I react during the nighttime during this race. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be because you it's the the dead you're doing the dead man peaks race, right?
1: Yes, yeah, and it's in the weekend after next,
0: right? And and that's pretty interesting. So you did, you did a marathon a few weeks ago, right? Uh, Yeah, that was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And where was that at? Um, It was in Utah. And so, you know, how did you feel? Obviously, like, here in New Mexico, we've, uh, we have pretty strict guidelines. Um, I know some other states are are different. I'm not sure exactly what Utah's were. But, you know, how did you feel about the race and the the preparations with, you know, being under COVID and having to deal with, you know, some different restrictions that we're, we're just not used to.
1: It was definitely a different feel. You know, it was, it was so exciting to be at a real live race again, but it it definitely was different. It definitely felt different, but just the excitement that you could, the vibes you felt off of everyone just being at a start line again, it was, it was wonderful And they did a really good job with putting on the race and even packet pickup. Like you had to, in advance, you had to put in like a time that you were going to go pick up your packet to, so they could have social distancing. So no one was coming in groups or anything. So that was really good. And then even at the start, you had to wear your masks and they did it in waves. So, and it was really, I mean, even the volunteers at the aid stations, they were wearing masks. Um, They didn't touch any of your stuff. So it was, yeah, it was set up really good.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's hard to imagine what some of these races will look like without having been at them just because everything is just such in such a weird in a weird place right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like I keep seeing, I keep scrolling through, you know, Instagram and stuff and I see a whole bunch of different states, you know, a lot of people are doing races right now and you know, it's just exciting to see, you know, people smiling again, doing those, you know, race pictures at the end. And, you know, I just can't wait to to get back to that.
0: Yeah. I I, I feel the same way. I think a lot of people do. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you've you got this hundred coming up. It'll be your your first hundred, right? Yes. So you obviously just did a, a marathon. So twenty six point two miles a couple of weeks ago how, how long have you had this race? I mean, I know it hasn't been out there too long, but how long have you had this race? Like, okay, this is where I'm going to do it. The hundred. Yes.
1: Um, I think after I finished the 53 miler, I think the next day or two, I knew I wanted to do a hundred. And then once I found out that, um, they were doing the 100 miler for a dead man's I was like well I have to I mean that's right that's close to home that's right there
0: right so
1: how could I not say no
0: (laughs) (laughs) and your 53 miler was dead man's last year right
1: yes that was dead man's
0: and so what how do you feel about that course, especially since it's, you know, kind of familiar, I'm assuming it's using at least part of the same course or or two loops on it or something?
1: Yeah, it's the exact same course. It's just going to be do it again once you get back from the 53. <laughs> so I feel pretty confident. Um, it's not too technical. There's not too much elevation gain. Um, there's a few technical parts. But so with the course itself, I feel pretty confident. Um, it's just like I said, that whole navigating parts of it in the night by myself. Right. I've never really done any night running. So
0: Yeah, that seems like it might be a little um intimidating.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that, that that's really I think and I kind of want that challenge. Like part of me doesn't want to I don't want a pacer just because I wanna see if I'm actually brave enough to be like, you know what, I can do this. Let's get through
0: it. It's so interesting, you know, hearing your story and hearing where you came from and really been doing this for four, maybe five years. And in that time, I mean, you your, your Instagram has it laid out. I mean, you've done a, a ton of 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons, I think like nine marathons now, uh, several triathlons. Ironman, 50Ks, the Spartan races, that is a a lot of racing in in just a few years. Um, How do you find time for all of that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, the training definitely, you know, is time consuming, especially for the Ironman. You know, I've only done one Ironman. I was supposed to do my second Ironman back in May. It was going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? As, it was going to be like the week school got out. I was so excited. And then of course, you know, COVID happened. Right. And so I deferred my entry to St. George, which was in September and that got canceled. Huh. So I deferred again and it's supposed to be in Texas in April. But the Ironman is definitely the most time consuming race that I've experienced for with training wise you know it's those it's endurance for three different disciplines right so it's just i mean it was like having another part-time job
0: and that's kind of what i was curious about is is finding that time with with teaching because teaching in itself especially i mean at, at any level but the elementary level because you are teaching a little bit of everything and especially with special ed, because everything is so individualized. You know, you're you're doing a lot of work and IEPs, and you know, it's it's pretty intensive. And then going out and training, you know, whether it's for an ultra marathon, triathlon, Ironman, that takes a a lot of time and and commitment as well.
1: Yeah, I I think I've definitely learned some things about myself through everything I've done. I've learned that I have more discipline than I ever thought I did. Um, Cause especially during the Ironman, you know, before work, I would need to get in maybe a swim. And so I would go to the pool around like five in the morning and, you know, drive to work. And then when I'd come home, I'd get either a bike or a run in. So it was, it was a lot of two a days with the Ironman. And it's still a lot of two a days now, because even with the running, I still do like strength training and Um, high intensity workouts and stuff like that. So it's still a lot of two a days, but it's not as time consuming as the triathlon training. Um, But yeah, definitely with the, with the teaching aspect and, you know, especially with special ed, like you said, the IEPs and then everything's individualized. Like one year I had third, fourth and fifth grade. So, you know, they're wanting me to teach You know, not only towards their IEP goals, but also common core curriculum for each grade level. I'm like, you know how much lesson planning that is? (laughs) It's a lot. And it really came to a point to where like I started backing off on the amount of work I was doing at home in regards to teaching because I was trying to squeeze in training. And since I was doing that, I kind of felt like I was almost neglecting my job, even though I wasn't. So I've really had to come to a point to where I have to tell myself, you know, you are a teacher. This is your career, but it's not your life. You know, I have to give myself some grace, and I have to let myself know, you know, you, you need your you need your own time.
0: I think that that is something that a lot of teachers struggle with. Yeah, um, and and it's hard to to step away because like you said, it's, it, you feel like you are not doing your job if you're not overdoing it.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And, you know, (laughs) there's, you know, it's floated around Facebook, I've seen it on, you know, teacher memes, and, you know, about, oh, go drive by your local elementary school and see how many cars are are still there after hours. And it's true, Mm because the teachers will stay and, continue to do work and do their grading and plan for coming up. And I mean, you know, kids joke about teachers living at the school and, and there's some teachers that practically do with the amount of hours they are are putting in that that don't really get compensated other than knowing that I'm doing this for the kids. And, you know, it's something that I, I struggle with myself, because, you know, I think teachers are, we're doing a lot and, and not necessarily compensated for all that extra time. But again, it's it's for the kids. And I think sometimes that gets taken advantage of.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's hard not to not to feel a sense of guilt, almost to, you know, if you're not putting in as much work as you're you know, your other fellow teachers. Because I have, it makes me feel guilty sometimes. I feel like, well, maybe my lessons aren't as good or maybe my students aren't getting everything they need because I'm not putting in these mass amount of hours. And honestly, from from what I personally feel, like between physical exhaustion and the mental exhaustion that goes with teaching, that mental exhaustion just can take a much huge... A bigger toll than any running or biking or swimming, you know, training session that you do. It's just it, it drains you.
0: Absolutely, and, and you know, I think it then gets added on with that pressure that that same type of pressure of feeling like you need to be there. A uh, substitute is not going to be able to do the same things you are. And so, how do you how do you manage kind of knowing that you are doing the running? For yourself, and and you need that mental time as well. With and and taking time off to to compete in some of these races that you're probably um, having to drive to and 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 miss some class for, and 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 having to put in those subs.
1: Yeah, like I said, I just had to learn to give myself a little grace. Like it's not you still have to live your life. You still have to follow your passions, and you know I think teaching definitely is where I was meant to end up because I never, initially, I never wanted to be a teacher. Teaching was never on my radar. My undergrad is actually in social work. okay. Yeah, I did some case management and stuff for a while when I got my undergrad and I was miserable. I mean, it was just, there was actually a time period to where I was on antidepressants and it was, I ended up just quitting my job, and then for a while, that's when, we, that's when we had moved up here to Albuquerque, and I was searching for another job that was in the social work field, because that was my degree, but I just had no, no motivation to, to start a job like that again. And luckily, like, I, don't, I knew I wanted to work with kids. So I started thinking, well, what can I do to work with kids? And I started thinking teaching, but I didn't want to go back for a degree again and then get it and then it not be what I wanted to do. So I decided to be um, an educational assistant. And I just uh, I got a job as an EA at an elementary school. I did that for maybe not even four months. And a teacher at that school said, hey, there's a program that will pay for your master's degree in special education while you teach. I really think you should apply. I think you'd make a great teacher. And I was like, well, might as well. Um, Because, you know, free, free masters. I mean, who can turn that down? Right. (laughs) Um, But the thing, the the crazy thing is uh, the teacher, my actual teacher that I was working with in the classroom, she was actually trying to talk me out of it. Uh, She said, you know, it's a lot of work, you know, you really need more experience in the classroom. I think you should stay here longer. It was a lot of just like, almost like you shouldn't do it. You can't do it. And I don't know, even when I was an EA in her classroom, sometimes when she would be out for IEPs, because it was in a special ed class and I got to, and I got to sub for her. I just, it was like a natural feeling of, I just had ownership of the room and like the kids responded and there was just something about it. And so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. And I got accepted into the program. And, you know, when I started, they pretty much threw me into a classroom without, you know, any experience in teaching. I didn't know what a lesson plan was. And, you know, there was plenty of times where I was just sitting in my classroom, just like crying with when no one was in there and I'd be crying and I'm like, what am I doing but, you know, I had a lot of support and, you know, a couple of mentor teachers that said, you know, just just stick it out and you can do it. And now I, I love what I do.
0: That's amazing. There's a lot of teachers, I think, that go through that initial shock in their first year, whether they're coming, you know, from an, from another field and getting their master's and, and working that way or, or coming out of college, because no matter what you're doing during your practicum, it never goes the same when you are in there on your own and and everything is on your shoulders and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you've got 20 to 30 kids that, you know, or or less for special ed often Mm -hmm. that you're like, I'm responsible for their education for an entire year.
1: (laughs) right? Well, and like, it's a no, it's no wonder why the teacher burnout rate is so high. Like, I can definitely see that because, you know, I'm only in my, let's see, February will be my sixth year of teaching. And I'm just like, can I really do this till
0: retirement? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and that's, that's interesting. So you had been, you've only been teaching for about six years and, You've been running for, you know, four to five years. And so it seems like they kind of coincided, you know, with your running and your teaching kind of getting started, you know, around the same time, maybe to kind of help balance each other out.
1: I think so. And one of my, uh, (laughs) one of my professors, uh, she still uh, will remind me of it because during like, because a lot of our classes for our master's program would be, you know, in the evening after we taught. And she would tell she would tell me, you know, maybe go walk your dogs or something to help, you know, alleviate the stress and stuff like that. And and now she always teases, and she's like, "I told you to walk your dogs, not go run, yeah. you know, all these miles." <laughs> well,
0: and that is like, like you said, you you, you decided to do a five k, and then right after that, all right, I'm ready for a half marathon, like. <laughs> How did you make that jump? And did you jump right to the half marathon? Did you do some other races before that? Like, I'm, I'm so curious about that.
1: Yeah. So when I decided to do the half, I did train. I, train uh, I, I trained for the half in preparation for a full because the I decided to also do the Duke City Marathon back in 2017. And that was my first marathon. Oh, wow. So I ended up doing my first half at Run for the Zoo. So that's usually like in May, I think.
0: Yeah, beginning so of May. So I did that. Yeah,
1: I did that in May in, to kind of get a feel and if I'd be ready for a full marathon. And I kind of just like after the 5K, I had skipped the idea of a 10K. I actually didn't do a 10K race till probably a good year or so after I had started all this. <sighs> but I just jumped from the 5K to the half and then to the full.
0: Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And now you've done, I think your Instagram says 27 10Ks in that time.
1: Yeah, I think the 10K is definitely, yeah. Because there's a lot of local, well, when racing was around, there was a lot of, you know, local ones. And it was either the 5K or the 10K. And usually for me, when I sign up for an event, I always have to do the biggest biggest distance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And and so where did you then get that idea, like, to to start getting into triathlons and Ironmans. And like, how did you go from running to like, all right, the running's going well. So I'm gonna add some biking and swimming to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I didn't even know what a triathlon was. Honestly, I had no idea. But I remember it was, it was like in 2017, I was sitting down watching TV. And I don't even know what channel it was on. But whatever I was watching, it popped up, the race, um, I can't remember what year it was, but it was like the famous crawl, the infamous crawl with Welch and Ingram. And it's where the two pros had their legs just like kind of gave out, you know, like jelly legs. And they had literally crawled hands and knees across the finish line to that Ironman. And I don't know, like I saw that and I was like, oh my God, I want to do that. Like it was so, there was something about it that just sparked something in me that was like for someone to push their body that hard to achieve something so hard, but they keep going and they literally have to crawl across that finish line. Like I want to push that hard. And so I looked up what a triathlon was and I told my husband, you know, I want to buy a bike and he ended up buying me a bike. And so I started with a sprint triathlon and then I went to an Olympic distance and I actually s- completed my f- full mar- my full Ironman before my half marathon, uh, half Ironman distance. Wow. <laughs> so it's kind of just like, you know, I see something, I want to do it and let's go for it.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny because I'd read, you know, uh, on your blog a little bit and after the Deadman Peaks last year. And you said you finished in like, oh, I'm never going to run that distance again. And then quickly were like, well, or maybe not. And now you're running the the 100.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's always funny because like the group of people, the couple guys that I ran the marathon with a couple weeks ago, we were laughing because the, the course up in Utah that we did for the marathon was miserable. Like there was... Rolling hills, like this giant hill at the end, like it was so miserable. And like, even during it, I was like, forget this. I'm never doing a marathon again. I'm going to stick with half marathon down. And, you know, as soon as we finished, it took us maybe like 20 minutes. And then it's uh, Eric Bailey. He's the... Race director for Race New Mexico. Right. Uh, He was there with me and he was like, Well, let's, we should uh, look into a a hundred and do the, do a hundred in like Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Yeah, let's, I was like, Yeah. And we got all excited about it. So, you know, it's just, you know, as soon as that misery ends, it's like, Okay, when's the next challenge?
0: Right. (laughs) Well, and it's, it's funny, you know, a lot of the people I've interviewed who have done ultras, you know, they say you, you, Every one is your last one until after you finish it. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Exactly.
0: And, you know, I, I did a, a relay one um, last year, actually. I did the, the Endurance Santa Fe one, and, and I was part of a relay for the 50 miler. And so I only did a, a half marathon distance. And, you know, I, oh, the climb on that was insane. And I finished it. I'm like, I never want to do this again. And now I'm thinking, man, well, okay, so I was dying. But if I can just tweak these things and I can get some more experience, then I can be better at it. And (laughs) it's just, um, it it just seems like that's kind of what everybody goes through a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I'm definitely, I'm kind of excited to see like what my feelings are when I finish the hundred, because I feel like. I feel like I will finish. I'm too stubborn to quit. I'm a very stubborn person. Like I told my husband for a race to ever, if I had to DNF, like you would have to literally drag me off the course or I'd have to be passed out for me to quit. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I want to say like, I'm never going to want to do a hundred miler again after this one, but you know. I don't know if I feel like if I finish, I know I'm going to want to see how much further I can go. So I definitely already have some goals in mind of what I want to do next when I finish.
0: Right. Well, I think the the thing about some of these that's so interesting is, you know, you're going through mountains, you're you're doing all these things. And so it's not really about the time. Like you may have a time goal you may have an idea of like i'd like to finish about this but at these distances it's almost just about can i finish or or how how much can i do without you know completely falling apart
1: <laughs> right and i think that's like the biggest thing with ultras that i've learned like that's probably the only distances 50k like 50ks up That I've noticed I really don't care about what time I finish in like you all have a set time and you know I'll try to go for it but if I don't hit it I don't actually give myself such a hard time like I would on a 5k or 10k just because yeah it's such a it's such a different journey and just different emotions that you feel that it's just it's such a bigger accomplishment just to say I did it
0: right and you know, thinking about all your different experiences and going into those 50 Ks and 53 miler and now the hundred, like there's times where you have to stop, you know, you talked about that five K and being so proud that you didn't have to stop and walk. And yet in these longer distances, there are times when you're power hiking, you know, or, or even just plain walking, right. And so yeah. <laughs> how did, how did you kind of wrap your mind around, around that part and being able to like, okay, no, I, this is what's best for this is I can't be focused on just having to keep on running. This is what I have to do right now to finish.
1: Yeah, that was definitely a really hard thing to wrap my head around was, you know, cause to, for me, it always felt like if I walked, it wasn't a run. Like it, even if it was a training run, if, if I walked just maybe like Half a mile. I can't say I went out for a six mile run today. It was that mentality of like, no, that's not running. So you can't call yourself a runner. You can't, you know, so it's just going back to that negative mindset. And, you know, once I got into ultras and, you know, the terrain and the climbing, like, you, you know, and you even see pros during these hundreds, you know, power hike and walk. And like, you really understand, you know, it's not about running the whole thing, it's about powering through in any way you can. And a lot of that was just like, you know, especially on hills and stuff with climbing, you know, you're probably better off power hiking up it than you are raising your heart rate and going all crazy out on an, up, an uphill, a small uphill. And then, you know, potentially messing up something or, you know, stuff not going to plan because you just wanted to, you know, sprint up that hill.
0: Do you think, you know, like you've said, you kind of had this imposter syndrome feeling of like, I'm not really an athlete, I'm not really a runner. Do you think uh, finishing this 100 will help you towards that?
1: I've been thinking the same exact thing. I've asked that question to myself quite a few times now, especially as it gets closer. And, you know, I I really think it will. Because I'm not only... And like I said, it's not only about the distance. It's about proving something to myself that I was brave enough to do it in the first place. I was brave enough to tow a start line of a 100 miler and never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined I would even think about, you know, or dream about running 100 miles.
0: I, you know, I want to go back. You talked about kind of how you felt about food. And that you didn't feel like you had a healthy relationship. And when you're doing things like this, like a hundred miler triathlon, like your fueling is so important to being healthy. And how how have you come to terms with that and knowing like, well, I have to eat certain things, I have to eat a certain way, I have to make sure I'm feeling my body to make sure that it's performing to be able to do these things.
1: Yeah, that's, that's one barrier that was just it, that was really difficult. And like I said, the, the food aspect was a huge, a huge thing when I was little, I remember coming home from school and my snack from coming home from school would be uh, fries. Like we had a deep fryer and I would literally just throw some fries in there and that would be my after-school snack. Like, and my mom always struggled with her weight also. So the groceries we were bringing in, you know, weren't healthy at all. And so it was just that, you know, I ate what was there and I wasn't active. I didn't, I came home, I would have the snack and watch TV and do homework. I wouldn't go out and play with friends. Um, So I wasn't active even through middle school and high school, you know, I was, I was more of the band geek. Uh, I was never athletic and I, I did try out for, I tried track for maybe I think a year, but I never felt like I belonged because I was never really good at any of the stuff. I did migrate towards the, you know, the longer distances with the running, but I was never good at it. So I, I just kept feeling like I needed to, to be an athlete to fit in. And as time went, you know, I had lost weight by high school and then gained it back. And then I would I would still have that food, that unhealthy relationship with food. Like I would, I would binge eat and then I would try to go without a couple of days without eating. So kind of that binge eating um, and then try that starvation mode. And then once I got into running, you know, years and years later. That was kind of an eye opener knowing that because I was hungry more, especially as I got into the bigger distances. I was hungry right. more and uh, it definitely took a while to, to teach myself, you know, you have to do that. You have to take in fuel or your body's not going to survive the race. But even now, even now with all the distances I've done, I'll admit I still have that sense of like I shouldn't eat food sometimes like even times where if my husband doesn't eat when I'm eating, I feel like I shouldn't eat even though I've done like maybe just 20 mile run. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm still working through that. And, and like I said, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I want to do this hundred is just because I think it's going to help just open up a whole new aspect in my thinking. And in doing that, I know that once I have that freedom a feeling, a sense of worthiness and a sense of just peace with myself. I have a feeling that it's going to just be eye opening.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you sharing all of that with us too, because I think a lot of people, you know, again, who co- who come into it maybe a little bit later in life who who weren't high school runners or college runners, and they're out there testing their bodies. And they can have that imposter syndrome. They can feel, you know, while well, I was doing this to get healthy, and and now I feel like I'm eating more, and, and kind of have this dual mentality going on of of fighting the old habits and, and knowing where to where to put the energy. And so, I think I thank you for, for sharing all of that. And I know you shared some of that, like I, like I've mentioned a few times on your blog. And I think yeah, of that's pretty pretty amazing stuff.
1: Thank you. And yeah, I just, I think people should just, you know, be happy with, I think if you're happy with where you are and how you can perform and stuff, because the things you can do with running or weightlifting or anything you do, like just knowing that you've completed something or you, you were faster than the day you were before it's, it's exhilarating almost. And it doesn't have to be what the scale is. It's what you can do physically like, can you get up off the couch without getting tired? Can you go for a walk with your family without feeling fatigued? It's way more than what the scale is. Because I remember when I did um, when I was training for the first marathon, I had dropped down to about 125, which is my smallest I have ever been. And I remember the friends I had at the time, they would always make fun of my weight. They would always say, oh, you're gonna blow away, or you're gonna do this, you need to eat a burger. And it was just like, God, you can't make anyone happy. First, I'm too fat for people, and now I'm too skinny. (laughs) So it's like it really had to come to a point where, where am I happy? You know, so I've actually, I think I'm about 135 now, and it's because I finally, I put on some muscle mass because I started weight training, because when I was doing the first marathon, I was just running, strictly running, nothing else. So I put on muscle mass, especially when I started doing my first triathlon, and now I feel strong. Now I feel confident.
0: That's good. That's awesome. And like I said, I think your journey is, is, uh, you know, inspirational in a, in a lot of ways, because, you know, you're talking about uh, things that most people are struggling with and it can be hard to, to talk to other people about it sometimes and, and have that, like you said, like you know, people's weights can be thrown out there so much. You're like, it's too heavy, too light. And and you just ultimately have to be happy with who you are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, so I wanted to ask you about these races, these these events. You've done everything from road races and, and up and different people are attracted to different races and road races can be a little... I don't know if cutthroat is the right word, but a lot of times people out there, like I'm, I'm trying to win my age group or I'm trying to do this. And you have others who are there for fun, but you know, mm-hmm. there's a certain group that goes to the Spartan races and ultra marathoning is its whole other thing. And triathlons, like, do you find yourself gravitating toward a, sor- a certain group or do you find like there's not that much difference between the people that do all of these different events?
1: There's definitely a diff- there I feel like there is a difference. I would say I definitely gravitate more towards, I would say, like, the road races for me. But there's something about the, the ultras that's more of a... It just gets you in such a positive mindset when you're out there and there's no one around and just the views that you take in. There's just something about that. And, you know, the Ironmans, it's just... And the the triathlons, it's just I think throwing in the three sports into one. It's always good to meet people and and try you know squeezing in three disciplines into one race. That there's just something about that that you know that those those athletes are putting in you know tons of hours and times you fitting in these three disciplines. And that's one of the things that's attracted me to triathlons the most. Also was just. You know, you have to find more time. You have to have the discipline to get in these three sports.
0: Going back to to the beginning of this all, you had a 5K that you didn't feel like you were prepared for, and you went out and you, you still placed in your age group, and now you're going out to do 100. Do you feel prepared for the 100?
1: I do. I wish my training blocks would have been a little... Bigger for this. I was kind of focused on that marathon that we did in Utah. So, my training for that, I was just focused on that. And then I really only did a volume week the week after. So, I ran the marathon, came back on a Sunday, and then started my volume week that same week. And I did about 65 miles. I was hoping for about 75. Um, So, I feel like I, I wish I would have got a little bit more in because now I'm already starting to taper. But I feel like I feel like I was meant for endurance because I, I'm not I'm not afraid of the distance. I feel even on the 53 mile or even though I was sore, even though I was tired, I felt like I could have kept going. I feel like I was meant for endurance endurance sports, so I'm not really afraid of of the distance. I think I'll be able to finish, but it's just a matter of you know. I've never done anything over 53. So I think it's just gonna be, okay, now I've done 60, let's go five more. So it's just gonna be breaking it up mentally so I can just be prepared for it. Cause I really was hoping to run 100K before the 100 miler. But of course that didn't happen. Right. But honestly with the 53 miler, I didn't really train for the 53 miler. The biggest distance I did before the 53 was a 50K. So about 32 miles or so. And then that was the biggest distance I did before the 50.
0: Wow. And are you kind of happy that you don't have to actually go into the classroom after this and you get to kind of be home and still teach and kind of recover?
1: (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to be pretty tired. I'm expecting, uh, I'm actually not too worried about like staying up through the nighttime out there just because I can't really sleep well as it is. So I'm like, well, that's probably going to benefit me quite a bit because I'll be like, you know, two in the morning. I'll be like, yay, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I won't need any caffeine to keep me up.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, you know, we got that storm front coming in uh, this week and hopefully it'll be nice for for the hundred miler for the Deadman Peaks race, because like if it's uh, if it's cold and running at night, that could be a little chilly up there in Cuba.
1: Yeah, I actually want to try to when well this week when that cold front comes in, I want to try to at least run outside a little bit each day just to get a feel of what I'm going to wear because last year at Deadman's it was well my 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 phone was reading ten degrees at the start, but someone else told me five degrees. Oh wow and it was freezing that morning it was horrible and my my bag i took my nathan with my water in it the straw that goes through by the time we started it was frozen last year
0: oh wow
1: so i had no water for a while just because the straw was frozen so i'm hoping it's not that cold this year but definitely even when i finished in the dark because i finished around like six thirty at night i think it was and it was already the temperatures were dropping pretty fast
0: Wow. Well, I wish you luck on that. And I hope it goes well. Thank um, you. I'm excited to, to hear how it goes and, and excited that, you know, we've got a race here in New Mexico, you know, following all the guidelines and, and to see how that that goes for everybody. I think this is a good place to kind of wrap up for today. Uh, but I do have one more question for you. Okay. And that is, um, you know, what are you listening to to kind of get you pumped or get you moving, getting getting you out the door?
1: Um, lately, I've been trying to run without music. But when I do, there's always two songs that always get my blood pumping and always just push me a little further. And that is definitely, um, the first one's Hall of Fame by The Script. Yeah. And then the second one is The Champion by Carrie Underwood. All right. There's something about the lyrics in those that just, that keep me going, that keep pushing. I uh,
0: I, I really like the lyrics in Hall of Fame. I used to yeah. do it with my um, classes and kind of break it apart, <laughs> actually. Um, and it's funny because another, the uh, Nerissa Valdez I interviewed um, last week or the week before, whenever this comes out, <laughs> <laughs> um, Hall of Fame was one of the ones that, that she thought of as well. So that's, that's interesting. <laughs> so, you know, I, I thank you again for your time. Thank you for sharing all this. I think your, your journey is, is wonderful and the amount of things you've done in, in this short amount of time and being able to stay healthy. And, and, you know, I know you felt kind of unmotivated for a while, but get, picking that back up and it, it's just, it's been really awesome. And so again, thank you for sharing. Is there anything else you'd like to say before I let you go?
1: No, thank you for having me. This has been great. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for taking the time to join me today. If you can, please rate and review, but most importantly, spread the word so we can grow this community. If you know of any runners that deserve a shout-out or should be interviewed, or you just want to share your runs and connect with other people, use the hashtag RunningNM on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me at RunningNM on both these platforms. If you prefer to reach out by email, you can find me at runningnewmexico at gmail.com. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud under DJ Teach. And until next time, keep running, New Mexico.